When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Flow Grappling's A Fistful of Collars, your favorite jiu-jitsu podcast. And look who we have in the house today. Oh, none other than Craig Jones. Woo, give it up, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) It's our first guest. We've never had a guest before. Kind of. You know, we had Travis Stevens last week, but (laughs) but on our podcast. On our podcast, indeed. So once again, joined, as always, by myself, Hal Teague. Reed Connell, Chase Smith, and some guy called Craig Jones in the house today. <laughs> man, we're really lucky to have you here today. What's going on? Thanks, man. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, just in Austin for a seminar, really. Just enjoying the weather right now. Been doing a lot of that lately. Traveling, right? Uh, giving seminars you and know, stuff. Since ADCC, I've just been on the road nonstop. Dang. I think I've been back in Melbourne for six weeks. So it's just been crazy. That's okay. quite a long time. I used to was back in September. Um, <laughs> how's know. that going? Are you feeling good? Are you just embracing the I grind? I feel good. I mean, it's like you get sick of the travel. I mean, I'm talking to you guys. You guys know what I mean. The travel's horrible. I don't know, man. It sounds like you've been putting in those eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> Tran- the transit's horrible. Air- airplanes bring out the worst in people, I think. But, like, obviously, it's a good thing to complain about. Beats a regular job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember back in the day, your jujitsu handle used to be Jujitsu Travels. Jujitsu Travels, right? Yeah, Before yeah. you changed it to Craig Jones BJJ, that's at Craig Jones BJJ, right? <laughs> but no, Jujitsu Travels. So mm-hmm. I, it seems that the traveling thing's pretty big for you there, right? Yeah, like I predicted the future there, right? <laughs> you know who told me? Andre Gavel, after ADCC, messaged me. He's like, Craig, change your uh, Instagram handle. He's like, no, no one can find you. <laughs> oh, good to, to Craig Jones? Yeah, oh, I was okay. like, all right, I better do it. I think Keenan hit me up as well. Keenan's like, you really got to change that. Gotcha. Uh, so as soon as I changed it, someone else picked up the old one straight away. Yeah. No way. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's like uh, when Jeff Glover got his jacked as well. He did the thing that he was oh, like yeah. messing around and he changed oh, his Instagram yeah. handle for like a day and somebody had it like straight yeah. away. His go was by. good too, right? It was Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, yeah, Jitsu. Yeah, that's a funny one. And now he's Jutang. Jutang. He Dang. lost it. I wonder who took it. Yeah, <laughs> some guy, right? Some dude. So what else is new? You uh, you got a lot of seminars and stuff, been traveling around. Yeah. A uh, bunch of competitions coming up too, huh? A bunch. Obviously, we got Kasai. Reed repping the t-shirt there. Right there. Excited for that <laughs> one. Yeah. April 14th, live on flowgrappling.com. That, that one's going to be awesome, a stacked uh, middleweight division. And over the last couple of weeks, they've been announcing some crazy super fights as well. Obviously, they got the Geo and Nicky Ryan match. Which what, do you, what do you think about that one? That's awesome, hey. I mean, it's been talked about for so long, so I was super excited that they finally did it. I'm wondering how much they're paying them. Maybe I need to ask for more money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you had to give an edge, now no one likes to make predictions. Yeah, go, go. Oh, yeah. Have you put you on the hot seat here. Have you rolled around with, with Nikki before? I've rolled with Nikki. I haven't rolled with Gio. You're putting me in between here, the DDS guys and the 10th Planet guys. <laughs> Got to pick a side. Yeah. <laughs> going hard early on the podcast. So. I don't know. I would say, like, experience, you probably got to give it to Geo, But, I mean, it's hard. Like, the underdog, like, obviously, that's a, that's a good place to be, I think. Is Nikki as good as people <coughs> say? Yeah, for sure. For it really sure. is. 
I'll be masters before he's adult, so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. yeah. <laughs> it means you don't have to cross paths. That could be a bad day. Man, Imagine what a kid's going to be like when he hits 19, 20 years of age. I wonder how big he'll be. That's concerning as well. That's true, because Gordon's, as we know, pretty huge. <clears throat> Gordon's man, huge. That, that's what, such a fun thing about that match. Is there's just so much mystery around it. It's like, man, what is going to happen sure. when Gio and Nikki finally do step on the mat? Well, the rules make it interesting, because I think Gio sort of games the system with the EBI. He sort of forces the overtime aiming to win an overtime but given the Kasai thing is submission only and ref's decision yeah so 20 minutes submission nothing. only no points nothing no overtime yeah. nothing. yeah so there's nothing to force like you can't force an overtime so if he has to engage more it probably bodes better for Nicky Ryan better yeah for those, we, like, we've seen like a lot of those um, uh, submission only matches like fight to win they use the just a straight you know round and then judge's decision at the end based on like the amount of submission attacks and stuff so Oh, Nikki just has to go all out in those 20 minutes and just keep chasing after Gio, right? Exactly. And Gio will have to engage because, like, as you saw at the last side, they're quick with those penalties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. You might know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 While we're on the subject of Kasai uh, here, you're in the eight-man, right? Is there anybody, one guy in there that you're super looking forward to, to, to fighting? You got, like, uh, um, Mike Perez, DJ Jackson, uh, Richie Martinez is in there, the other um, the Martinez other brother. brother. Yeah. Dante Leone, any of these guys that you're looking forward to? Well, Dante would be a good rematch because me and him are one and one. That oh, was, is that right? Uh, when did you compete? That must have been a while ago. A long time. Back when I used to wear the gi. That was, <laughs> that was uh, ages ago. What was it? It was Abu Dhabi World Pro. I'm going to say 2015 or 2016. I won the first. Yeah, 2015 I won and 2016 he won. So, so the rubber match is on. The rubber match, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, I mean, TJ Jackson, uh, that's an exciting name, but uh, a horrible style for me, but it'll be fun either way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be a crazy tournament. Mateus is interesting because he doesn't do too many of these style events, does he? No, too many. no I haven't. I, apart from my BGGF stuff, I, I don't think I've we seen We saw him five grappling oh, that's um, true. Yeah, that's a year true. and a half ago now, basically. That was a super five? Super right? five Keenan yeah. in yeah. the Gi. So yeah. and that was more, more or less IBJJF rules. So, mm-hmm. But this is, this is a definitely a change of pace for him. Yes, that'll be interesting, seeing him with the, the heel hooks and stuff. Hopefully he's not been working them. <laughs> yeah, right. And DJ, man, I mean, what do you do to a guy like DJ? I don't know. Get him drunk the night before. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just. Well, you're gonna be coming in on a plane, so <laughs> you yeah. don't have time. That's true. Yeah, you literally you were telling us this. You're gonna be in Japan, like not just in Japan, but competing in Japan, like three days out from Kazai. Yeah, as so well. we'll see how that goes. I'm, I feel like I'm in a constant state of jet lag. So everyone's like, "How are you gonna cope with the jet lag?" And I'm like, "I haven't not been jet lagged for some time now." So I feel like it's just the baseline. It's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, Kazai's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's gonna be great. You're gonna be there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be there. We'll we'll be there. So we'll be hanging out, man. We'll be. Nice. Yeah doing some cool, cool stuff but uh, this week this week was a fun one huh this week was uh, 20 years of, of ADCC mm. and it, it's a, a kind of apropos <laughs> that we have uh, the breakout star of 2017 ADCC very right, convenient right here yeah. with us <laughs> almost like it was planned <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a that was no shit that was a life changing moment for you right Oh, for sure, for sure. It made um, seminars everything easier after that we got so a little like, we can just play a little clip here while uh, while Craig Jones is, is, is talking about this is this is from this is from uh, your your performance here at uh, ADCC 2017. Of course, yeah, you had a huge a huge um, performance there. I mean, I like this one. It only shows the uh, the wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the this was the match that really changed my life. I think. Man, did his knee pop? Did oh, you hear it? It sounded like someone tore a sheet of cardboard or something. Oh, wow. Insane. Hey, and you know what's insane? Like, I, when I tore his knee, I was like, surely that's, that's it. But he was walking around on it. The best story about the whole thing 
is straight after the event, like I saw him for the rest of the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, limping like he's in a lot of pain. Yeah. Sunday night, see him with a beer in his hand. Dancing, the limp's, the limp's gone. The dance <laughs> it looks like he never even got <laughs> injured. <laughs> so that's the secret, I think. I gotta drink some more alcohol. <laughs> And look at that flying triangle, man. I mean, like, did, what was going through your mind when you when you just threw that up there? I didn't even know. I was sort of like, uh, I didn't know what Marilla was going to do, but the, he was setting up a sweep, and I was like, well, we were in the no points period. I can throw something crazy up. So it panned out for me that time, which is pretty cool. Later on at ADCC, I tried the same flying triangle on Shanji. Lightning doesn't strike twice. He's a little ready for it. And then we got Chael Sonnen. <clears throat> that you, was you and Chael are cool. Yeah, he's yeah, he's honestly like for all the shit he talks online, he's one of the coolest guys I yeah. think I've ever met. He just turns up the personality. Man, I, I saw him. I saw him uh, recently. I, I don't want to misquote him, but I saw him on his like his podcast where we were talking about the Craig Jones match. Yeah, where you, and he was like, he's like, I don't know. I put Craig's Jones, Craig Jones back flat on the mat, had <laughs> dominated on the mat, and they raised his arm at the end. I don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I, I heard that his coach was like, "What happened, man? <laughs> goes, so how did he win?" <laughs> he was like, I, "I don't know. I took him down. Yeah. What, what I talking? still have no idea how he won." Like, <laughs> Like competing with, continuing with the whole traveling thing. Like, what was it like a week or two later? You were in Oregon to compete on Chael's event. Oh yeah, yeah. Which um, I agreed to do submission underground before ADCC. So sadly, I didn't get the pay rise in between. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get to cash in on that. Yeah, ADCC yeah. I was gonna thing. be like, I'm only gonna do it if you put it. No. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. Cause I mean, Chael was super cool at submission underground. Still, yeah. like he takes it. He talks. He didn't talk shit about me. But like you see in his MMA fights, he talks shit. But I think he's friendly behind the scenes. I think everyone's the same. Gordon Ryan, the biggest secret with him, he's actually a super nice guy. Mm. Like, he puts out an image, but honestly, oh, he's no. a sweetheart. You're, you're breaking, you're, gonna, you're pulling back the curtain. This is, I'm, I'm this is against what, what he's trying to he's tell everybody. Right? really nasty Instagram post about you. Yeah, yeah. are you coming? Yeah. Gonna have to go back completely the other way. It's like, no, I'm not a nice guy, but I'm a dick. <laughs> this is my version of shit talking to get the rubber match. I'm like, he's a super nice guy. <laughs> so, but, I mean, even like us, we cover uh, jiu-jitsu pretty closely, obviously, right? And we're... we're you know, beating the mats every day. And even going into ADCC, I honestly didn't know a lot about Craig Jones, you know? But of course, obviously, after ADCC, I was like, I need to know everything about <laughs> Craig Jones. So just like, how did, you, how did your life change from, from then on? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I was, I'll say I qualified in Kazakhstan, so there's not much, not much press going on in Kazakhstan for, yeah. the, for the trials. But yeah, my life changed in terms of, obviously, my Instagram blew up, uh, seminar requests blew up. Just everything became easier, you know what I mean? Like, I was dependent financially upon teaching in Melbourne. And that, like, being Melbourne's an expensive city and teaching doesn't pay the bills very well it was quite a tough time. So, like, yeah, after ADCC, just opened up. Suddenly, my team was like, oh, you can travel. You can go wherever you want now. You know what I mean? So, a lot of, a lot of freeing, really. And, then again, the Superfight offers. Everything I was begging to be on before, suddenly the offers came in. And the craziest experience was after that first day at ADCC, so I beat Low and Santana, I woke up with an inbox full of sponsorship offers. Crazy. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's convenient. <laughs> very nice. And uh, the ADCC thing as well, you know, 20 years of ADCC, uh, it's kind of, man, it's crazy how much has happened in the grappling world in that time, right? I mean, I look back at the old ADCCs and it looks nothing like the ADCCs that we watch nowadays as well. Did, are you like an AD, were you one of those guys at ADCC who was always like the, the oh, kind yeah. of the big goal you always wanted to work your way into that show? That was the one I always wanted. I th even when I was focused on the gi, I used to only train no gi once a week until maybe brown belt. Like, I was always focused on ADCC. I don't know, that one always seemed like the biggest spectacle to me. And it always seemed like the one that could really change your life. 
But it oh. wasn't your first time there, though, right? No, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, I mean, people might, like, they might not realize, but you had an, a one go at ADCC already back in 2015. Didn't go yeah. great, but you <laughs> got there, which, you know, tell us about that. Uh, well, that was an interesting one because, like, for the trials, I was training uh, at Atos. I'd just been partying in Vegas, and I woke up, and I saw the trials were announced for South Korea. So I was in the States at the time, and I did two weeks at Atos, and I just trained in the gi for it. And I was obviously, I spent all my money coming to the States. So I got my parents back home to sell my car and send me the money so I could go. I flew from California back to, back to Adelaide where I was living at the time. And then I flew to South Korea for the trials. And luckily that was a big gamble, but I, I secured the trials ticket. And I remember at the time I did, I weighed 80 kilos. I don't know what the pound conversion is, 180 pounds. Yeah. And then I chose to do under 88 kilos because Lachlan Giles was in 77 and I was like I'm not going to beat that guy which is like I did the same thing did for the most recent trials I didn't train with him but I knew how good right, he was right okay so, so look, how because now you're, you're on a part of the same crew but you didn't even train together back then no I'd never even trained with him I just knew of him as a, a high level guy but what was cool is he won the 77 trials ticket and then coached me for the 88 and I think I fought a guy from Kyrgyzstan who was pretty tough so I won the ticket I started training to prepare to go to Brazil I was still in Adelaide still working a uh I was still working, not a full-time job. Luckily, I've never worked a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make it sound too tough for me. <laughs> so I was working a part-time job. I think I was still at uni. And then I went to Lachlan Giles for like a two-week camp, went to Brazil. And luckily, uh, I drew Homolo Bajal first round, Ooh. who was at the time was the previous champ. And I remember seeing him and I was like, I'm in the wrong weight division for sure. <laughs> he was like telling me he was coming pretty down. big at that event. Huge. So it was like, the, we're a low seed country. I don't know the way they work. The trials were sort of a low seed, so they give us the, the favorite usually. Yeah. So I was like, went out there, got kamurid by Homolo. I won't forgive him as well. He ripped it, he hurt my shoulder for quite a while. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was a good experience. I mean, like, it's, I think you need as many, not everyone can enter the high level tournaments and beat the high level guys straight away. Like it's a mental obstacle you need to get past. You gotta like, usually, like that match, I was like, oh my God, Homolo Bahal. Not that I think it would have changed if I came in confident, change the result but yeah like that was a good mental obstacle keep facing those high level guys until you realize they are everyone's just human and you actually do have a shot at beating those guys and then some the next two years later they give you leandro first round yeah, were, yeah. were you pumped about that match when you when you saw it or? i was excited but I, I was excited and then i saw the odds i think i was 50 to one underdog so i should have bet on myself there really but yeah excited for leandro Lowe. at the time because it was me and kit we sort of represent the same team even though he's never, never in the country i'm never in the country anymore and then it was Keenan and who else was in my division from Atos? It was Keenan Duarte. Mm -hmm. So we were preparing because I was either preparing mentally to face Kit because usually they do teammates first round, but then they were throwing the idea around that it was because uh, there's two Atos, two Australians, they put us all in the corner. So in my head, I was like, I'll probably have Keenan and Kit will have Keenan. And then last minute, they, they put, it, put me as Leandro, which I was excited for. Obviously, he's one of the greatest of all time. So I was like, getting mentally prepared for that. My, my thought process was like, I have to come confidence. I have to come with confidence because he is a gi guy. And I'm like, I do believe like, if you're a you, specialist in one, should be uh, a specialist in the other. You know Man, I mean? I'd, I'd only seen Leandro in like two no gi yeah, matches ever before yeah. that ADCC. I, I remember, obviously he had the super fight with Gordon Ryan. It was meant to be Braulio, right? But he yep. had a super fight with Gordon like six months before the trials event in California. And I think the last time that I'd seen Leandro do no gi before that was... Calisans, right? 
2013. Yeah. Copa Podio against Carlos Sanz. It was, the, it was the, the middleweight Grand Prix with Kit Dale, Travis Stevens, and all that. A crazy event. But, it was I mean, a really good event, yeah. Like, Five, almost four years. Four years of no, no gear. And then Leandro thinks he can walk into ADCC. <laughs> oh. Actually, Craig Jones has got a plan about yeah. that. <laughs> I do remember when, when Mo and the guys, they, they posted the brackets. And obviously, we all ran up and we all were, were like, oh, this, is, this guy's fighting this guy, this guy's fighting this guy. And Leandro walked up right next to me. And he looked at me and he goes, who's, who, do you know who this guy is? Do you know who this guy is? And I was like, yeah, he's from Australia. And, they're like, and he was like, what, is, what does he do? What does he do? You know? So like, Landro didn't didn't know. He was probably like a straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. But no, that probably works in your what or worked, I should say, in your favor. But man, like, you can't pull that ever again, right? Yeah, Everybody knows a, who you are now. I won't get as bigger upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's 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 gonna be cool though, right? I mean, like that that whole that ADCC thing kind of put your name on the map. But oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what ADCC does, right? You, yeah. you get a couple of big wins, ADCC. Well, that's why it's so special because say like I would never ever have the opportunity to face a guy like Leandro Lowe in a super fight, and that's why ADCC does. It just crosses that boundary for people. So if you win your trials, that's your ticket to fight a big name. You know what I mean? That's what I think makes it so special. Because mm. those guys at the highest level, they have to only fight guys at the, at the highest level, other famous guys, you know what I mean? Because it's not worth it to them yeah. to take the risk, to take a gamble on a no-name guy. But at ADCC, you have to. And then it shuffles everything up a bit. Like Gordon Ryan, I, to be honest, I didn't expect him to win ADCC. You In didn't. my mind, I was like, it's going to be a wrestler. It's going to be a strategic wrestler, you know what I mean? I think the rules favor that. So that, that surprised me as well. So like that threw Gordon from being one of the best... Uh, Submission-only grapplers to one of the best um, Grappler. no-gi grapplers of all time, really. Yeah. Surprised the hell out of me. And go on, while we're here, we've got to get the story about the ADCC Absolute as well, Oh, the right? Absolute. Yeah, yeah. Absolute. <laughs> so you had a kind of a bit of a, a roller coaster up until yeah. that point, right? So it was two wins. Two uh, wins, two losses in the division. Right. And I then... Lost, I lost, so I lost the Keen, I lost the Shanji, and straight after I lost the Shanji, I, I went back to the hotel, got showered and stuff. I was getting ready to have some beers and enjoy the night. And so I came back to the venue. Like, I didn't, I left my training gear. I think I even lost my mouth guard. And then I was at the bar to get a beer with my coach, Lachlan. And an older guy is next to me with this, like, thick Jersey accent. Just starts talking to me out of the blue. And it's Gordon Ryan's dad. And he's like, hi, I'm Gordon. I got the same name, which confused me as well. <laughs> That's the real Gordon <laughs> Ryan Gordon right Ryan. there. <laughs> and he was, I didn't, I didn't even think he knew I competed. And he was just started talking to me, started saying some funny stuff, started pursuing some of the women in the audience. <laughs> Real entertaining. So I'm drinking beers with Gordon Ryan's dad. I won't, I won't give anything away, but if you meet him, you know what I mean, right? He's a pretty wild guy. He's a wild man. He's talking about his street fights and stuff. Super nah, entertaining. He came awesome. up to me at one point, and I had no idea who he was either. It was like just some random guy comes up to me because he didn't look anything like Gordon, right? And he comes up to me and he starts like saying, oh, you guys, he knew we're from Flow Grappling. And he's like, man, I love you guys. Thanks a lot for everything you do. And I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. And then Gordon comes over to me later, and he's like, that's my dad. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to anything he says. <laughs> but anyway, back to the absolute. I'll say to you guys, ask Gordon Ryan's dad about Oliver Taza. Okay. okay. Say that one. <laughs> yeah. Ask him. You guys are going to laugh that out of that. Put that in that But I'm drinking a beer, and one of the ADCC officials comes out to me. He's like, are you doing absolute? you doing absolute? And I was like, nah, man, I'm done. I'm like, clearly I'm done. I'm drinking a beer. And then... I'm walking back. I'm walking back to the crowd to watch more of the matches. And Mo came up to me. And he's like, "Are you going to do absolute?" He's like, "What? What? What cost me? How much do I have to pay you to put you in absolute?" And I was like, "You didn't have to pay me." And he's just like, "What if I give you, you chaos up there?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "What if I give you chaos son?" And I was like, "I can't say no to that. I have to do it." 
day. Because I was like, I mean, another guy, like, that's the beauty of ADCC. When are you going to get an opportunity to face Chael Sonnen? And he wasn't, well, it was a surprise he was even in that bracket. I, I remember didn't know he was also eligible. crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when, they, when they drew, when they drew the, the absolute brackets, all the Brazilians ran over and, the, and they were like, I, I, was, I had them in my hand, or I had some in my hand, and some guy had another one. And they're all around me, Shanji, Cyborg, and everybody. And they were like, who's Chael? Who's Chael? Right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 that's Chael. Chael Sonnet. And they were all like, what? Like, what is he doing in there? Like, he can't do that. He had a super fight. He can't be in the absolute. But I'm like, hey, screw it. He's there to compete, right? Yeah. Why not? It's ADCC. They, yeah, they, 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 they do whatever they want. And respect to the man for jumping in, hey. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he he's, Finland. He's, uh, he's offended quite a few Brazilians in his time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah, putting right. his buddy on the line there. Yeah, yeah, why true. were they complaining? That's what they always wanted. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a gift. Yeah, of all, th of all things, I'd be like, why is Bouchesha in there? Get him out of there. Can you talk a little bit about your transition from, you said you competed mostly in the gi. I want to know when you made a decision to go no gi and like why that happened and all Oh that. man, I just would somehow compete better in no gi. I'd get the better results. So it was like, uh, I mean, I qualified for ADCC. That pushed me in that direction. And then I won no gi worlds as a purple belt. And then just every, op every next opportunity seemed to be no gi. So it was like, after no gi worlds, there was ADCC trials. Then I got, then I did EBI, then I did ADCC Worlds, and then since ADCC Worlds, people don't even ask me to put on the gear anymore. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, the last time I remember seeing you in a major gear tournament was, I think it was Abu Dhabi World Pro yeah. 2016? That was, the la that was the last major, yeah. And so you've not, have you competed in the gear since? I did a small tournament in Australia, because they, they, they called me up, they were like, we're giving out belts and cash. I was like, you know what, I'll put the gear on. So I did one in the black belt. And what about training? Like, do you train in the gi much? I put it on every now and then. Okay. But like, I think, I just focus on no gi. So I, in my mind, a lot of people will say, oh, you do the gi to get better at no gi, they'll help you get better at both. I think that's true to a certain extent, but like, if I'm gonna compete no gi, I think wrestling's better for my time than putting the gi back on. Like, I'll chuck the gi on for fun, I still love it. Well, we got a bunch of reader questions come in. Uh -oh. uh, well, we're gonna work through those a little bit later, <laughs> but I mean, this one kind of fits in perfectly. Ricardo Amendolia, our friend Ricardo, uh, he actually he asked, I mean, are you going to compete in the gi again? I don't know. It's been a while now. I mean, I, I'm open to the uh, possibility. Maybe we'll do the, the Leandro Lomi match in the gi. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, all right. No messing. I like it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's fun. That'd be unpleasant, but it'd be <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I was just going to say, a lot's been said, too, about how you've sort of created your own system um, that's sort of is on the same trajectory as, as a death squad a little bit. Where did that come from? Were you studying tape from them? Were you yeah, incorporating much, yeah. it on your own? I mean, some guys will say it's the same. You know what I mean? It's the same system. But yeah, I just really just watched a ton of footage, you know what I mean, in trial and error. Me and Charles were trying to figure stuff out. I started heel hooks out of a fear because I qualified for ADCC after training in the gi. And I remember, I'll give him a shout out. He's in the Kasai tournament. I rolled with Mike Perez at Atos in 2015 when I first, was it 2015? No, 2014 when I first qualified for ADCC and he just heel hooked the hell out of me that time. So I remember after I qualified, I was like, well, that's something I definitely need to work on. And then as I started to work on it, I realized how much uh, a lot of high level guys neglected that area of the game. So I was like, if it's a ticket to beating guys that are already better than you in other areas, then that's something I want to focus on. I always liken it to like uh, all throughout Jiu Jitsu, like Hafa Mendes with the beer and bolo. It's like, uh, it is a technique that is a ticket to beat people that are arguably better than you in other areas. You know what I mean? And anytime there's a technique like that, people will have a problem with it. So the beer and bowler, you got the old school guys, look at this spinning shit, we don't like this. But the reality is, it's just, he brought something, he innovated the game, he brought it in, he dominated everyone with it. 
there was a lot of hate, and then it becomes part of the game. Yeah, everybody's doing it. Exactly. Like that's who belts are going out and, and wrecking people with it. Oh, but, I mean, if you don't know it, then you're going to get screwed, right? Because yeah. everybody does it like a fundamental part of the game. But, I mean, from what I see, not so much in the gi, because obviously you're limited by the rules, but at least in no gi, like, everybody's doing leg locks now, right? It's no, oh, it's no big secret as to the, the system and, and getting into the entry positions and stuff, right? Yeah, it's just part of the game. Now, I think obviously there's refined technique in it, so some guys are obviously better than others, but it's just a, a lot of it's just time spent doing it, I think. So the, the later you get to the party, the more struggle you're going to have with it. And the reality is you're not going to win a tournament with heel hooks in unless you have some fundamental understanding of heel hooks, which everyone has now. Mm. Always like in the gi, I always think it's like a like deep half guard or 50-50 guard, all these innovative techniques that everyone hated on, didn't want to learn it, and then now it's just, it's just part of the game. Were you surprised that Gordon hit so many heel hooks at ADCC? No. So many oh. guys like Cyborg? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was very impressive. I, it doesn't surprise me because I think there's, so say for example, you're from a, you're already a really successful guy from, uh, from a big team or something, and maybe a lot of these guys have found success and they didn't have to use heel hooks. And when it started coming into the game, they had some of their guys start learning heel hooks. But obviously, it's entirely different when a guy's preparing for ADCC and he gets his teammates. He's like, oh, start trying to heel hook me. So versus a guy that's been doing it hardcore for a long time. So it didn't surprise me that he was able to secure some of those high-level guys. Because I think it's still, I mean, maybe not after ADCC, but before that, oh, guys were definitely still neglecting it. I think the him heel hook and cyborg probably changed the game a lot, especially with how quickly he did it. Guys were like, wow. I need to take note of this. But another question for you from one of our uh, one of our viewers. Then JD Shelley says that what was different in your training camp before that? You know the ADCC that last year because you know the, the 2015 ADCC like so much change. You were a different team training with different guys. You had a whole different game. You know, but but what about the actual training camp? Um, what did we do? Obviously, I put on weight because I had to make 88 kilos. So it was like after rolling with Homelo, I was like, there's no way I'm doing. Eight, I'm entering the weight division eight kilos under. I'm pretty, yeah, this is, when I weighed in for that ADCC, the weighing guy laughed at me because you're the lightest guy. Because <laughs> you're the lightest guy in the division. I was like, well, that's reassuring. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> so I started lifting weights. I got up to, it took me, because we qualified a year out, so I had a year to sort of start working the weight up. But in terms of specific training camp, we just did a lot of positional sparring, the areas we'd end up in. So, And that was all at Absolute MMA all in Absolute Melbourne. MMA, yeah. I didn't really? go anywhere else to train Nogi for ADCC. We just did it all under the one roof. And we just looked at the common positions in the ADCC and focused from there. So like, I've tried to do a lot of wrestling. Australians, we can't wrestle. You're from <laughs> Wales, so you understand. <laughs> so yeah, I had to try and work a lot of wrestling for that, even though I used none of it. But yeah, just focused on ADCC rules for an entire year. And every time we, me and Lachlan rolled, we'd roll according to ADCC. So we'd always be thinking about the no points period, the points period. We'd do overtime rounds, stuff like that. Me and Lockie actually fought, it's a funny story, we fought. When the trials got announced for Kazakhstan, so the qualifying one for this most recent ADCC, we both wanted to do 77. So we fought in the gym and we had like a crazy match. We fought for like an hour. We kept doing <laughs> overtimes because no one could score. But he ended up getting that. <laughs> so he got to do 77. And right. it helps probably having three guys in the same team all preparing for ADCC as well, right? There's oh, you, sure. Lachlan Giles, and who Kit. competed 77, and Kit. Right? Kit, yeah. So obviously unpleasant for Giles being 10 kilos lighter for that camp. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had Kit too. So Kit qualified in uh, Tokyo. He did the Japanese trials. So when were, that was maybe four months later. So straight after that, he was just like, bang, back, training full-time ADCC rules. 
And that was the last time we've really had a extended time period, all three of us training together. Since then, just been in and out. And then, um, did you weigh in at, at 88 this summer? 88. Or? You know what? I think I'm still weighing only 86. Still hard to make it up there. Hmm. And then, like, you have to weigh in for three days. So I was losing, I was losing water as I was competing. So I think the, the yeah, last sorry, day I was lighter. Sorry to interrupt there. Explain how it works, the ADCC weigh-ins. You, right, like so you weigh in like how much? You have to weigh in three times. So you weigh in the Friday night, the Saturday morning, and the Sunday morning. Oof. So you see some guys cutting weight every day. I'm like, animals. So actually, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing that you were a little bit underneath that limit because those yeah. guys were possibly cutting like sometimes five, 10 pounds every single day. Yeah, well, I, I think about AJ Agassam. Seeing that guy walk around, he looked like a skeleton. He looked yeah. pretty miserable. I thought he was going to die. <laughs> yeah. Ah, got, got the final. He got yeah. silver medal. Yeah. The finals. Yeah. Yeah. He has to be one of the toughest guys I've ever met. He doesn't tap to anything. Had, <laughs> and how did he make 66? Your guess is good as mine. Yeah. Seriously, dude. Seriously. And he was in some wars as well, right? He could barely walk. The Sunday morning, he was yeah. up at like 5 a.m. trying to weigh in, and he's like yeah. walking around he like a zombie. Brutal. He did. Yeah, wow. and, he, and all, every one of his matches was like 15 minutes, you know? So yeah. Like, yeah. Savage Hats guy. off to AJ. He's tough. <laughs> Can't yeah. with the hardware, I mean. Sacrifices yeah. you got to make sometimes. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And uh, so the uh, the leg lock thing as well. Um, we got some questions here. Like, uh, there's, um, you know, you, you focus so much on the leg locks at ADCC, and obviously everybody knows you for that. But you, you, you're not just a leg lock guy. Come on, you did more. You uh, hit that amazing flying triangle we saw, uh, yeah, and yeah. you know, you won by rear naked over Leandro. So it's the, you're not like one trick pony, right? The submission underground fights. You, you had a couple of different finishes there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I work other parts of the game for sure. I mean, you, I focus on training my weaknesses. So when I'm in the gym, I'm most often trying to work on my guard passing and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I will work the leg locks, but I don't think it's intensely. Everyone, I think everyone thinks in the gym, I'm just doing leg locks every day, like some mad scientist or something. But yeah, I just train the weaknesses really, try and prove to become a more well-rounded grappler. The leg locks help though. Like having trained so much in the past in the leg locks, definitely helped uh, my position because obviously the leg locks secured me some big victories and that's the part of the game everyone wants to learn and luckily the Danaher guys never release any instructional footage <laughs> so I put me in a really good position and release a DVD mm. so thank you John the key to the Danaher system by Craig Jones yeah. <laughs> awesome and uh, I remember I saw a video very recently actually of you guys training inside Absolute MMA and it was um, it was first point wins, I think, right? Oh yeah, in the gi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looked like that looked tough, but it looked fun at the same time. How, how does that work? Well, I think that's the most important drill for IBJJF tournaments. Quite often, I think uh, whoever scores first in the tournament wins, especially especially for something like World Pro, where there's like a six minute match. Very rarely do people make a comeback. So whenever I train for IBJJF, we just do first points like crazy because obviously boost your cardio and teach you how to play it safe and also secure those points. So yeah, we would just do winner stays in, and that was obviously brutal, brutal drill. <laughs> I've seen him do that at Atos as well. First yeah, what do they wins. call it? They call it like Rodizio or something. Rodizio, yeah. 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 Basically, Rodizio is, uh, is um, the term that Brazilian Portuguese use for all you can eat. Oh, really? All you can eat. You go to Rodizio restaurant, and you just keep going back for more. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's like King of the Map, King of the Hill. Yeah. yeah, I think people have different names for it. Right? Yeah, so. super important drill, I think. Yeah, Matt, speaking about training and stuff, uh, it's good time to move on to our next little topic here, and that is that uh, these guys had a pretty cool experience last week. Unfortunately, I was unavailable, but uh, <laughs> these guys got the role with Travis Stevens, judo Olympian Travis Stevens. Silver medalist judo player. Yeah, yeah. judo, yeah. jiu-jitsu black belt, and John Danaher, whew. 
How was, was that? Aw- it was awesome, man. Um, if you listen to any of, of the podcasts we did with Travis, you know you don't really want to train Judah with him. He, he, <laughs> he just does not play. It is not a game to him. He's there to destroy you. <laughs> but his jiu-jitsu is very playful and open. Like, uh, the roles, you could tell he was just having a good time out there. So uh, Yeah, was, luckily, was luckily he started the roles uh, just sitting down. So, you know, he just was kind of just messing around, playing around with us, and luckily started them on, on his butt. <laughs> what, what, what was it he said to us in that interview? He said, if I'm doing judo with you, the first thing you're going to feel is my bicep across your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'll do stand-up with you then. You mentioned that you uh, got to train with him as well at some point. I got to train with him. Luckily, not in the not in the gi. Oh, we, really? Did, he did no gi with you? He did no gi, yeah. What was that? He, well, he was like, he said to me, he goes, oh, do you want to roll in the gi or no gi? And I'm like, ah, let's go no gi. <laughs> and he's like, it's all the same to me. So we rolled. When I filmed my last DVD in Boston, because he's up there in Boston, he came down to the Fanatic studio and rolled. And yeah, like, uh, definitely, I agree. Very playful on the ground. I did ask him, I'm like, please don't throw me. <laughs> he's like, I don't throw jiu-jitsu guys that don't know how to fall when they hurt themselves. Yeah, yeah. So that's very nice of you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, because you could just launch us all on our faces and <laughs> but he break. Would, he would use the judo moves. Like, I went to take his back, and he would, like, tip me over the top. Like, mm-hmm. you don't really feel that. It's a different style, right? Mm-hmm. Judo guys. Judo guys are very, like, they'll shoot fast movements, I think, mm-hmm. where jiu-jitsu guys maybe a bit slower, try and wear you down. But yeah. he does have some nice tricks, though, huh? He, he was saying, yeah. right, he was saying that, like, judo guys um, drill one like a hundred times on the left side, a hundred times on the right side, and then jujitsu guys do three times on the left side, three times, <laughs> maybe, maybe once on the right side, and then that's good enough. So. It sounds like, it sounds like kid. Ah. <laughs> talking about kid. <laughs> Doesn't like the drilling. Yeah. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of stuff? You, you mentioned he had some nice lapel tricks and stuff. Yeah. I, um, <coughs> more just his grip was just unbreakable. I, he would, at one, at one point I was in a turtle position, he was behind me, and he had sort of like grabbed both lapels and was like a, a leash or something I could not turn around and I couldn't break it and he was just holding me there and I just didn't know what to do he wasn't trying to move and I was just stuck with my oh, yeah. lapels behind my back like a cape or something and <laughs> you know he has the, this this grip here that that like I wrestlers use a lot this this grip oh, yeah I feel like where that just like controls people and mm. makes it really hard I don't know if you can see it on the camera but the see this grip and I felt like he kept getting this grip on me right and like bent, wrist locking me with it and just controlling yeah, he me. does weird little submissions like that right like he would try and wrist lock you all the time mm-hmm, he's trying mm-hmm. to toe hold me with one arm and stuff yeah he, he went after straight ankle locks and stuff he, he you know he trains with the Dan Hur guys so he was yeah. falling back for, for that type of he, stuff he ankle locked me quite a bit yeah. <laughs> also very gently showed me what the chin in the eye would feel like he, <laughs> he got mouth he started grinding his chin I'm like oh Ooh. my god like, that's Evil. And it, it was it was very playful and nice, but I could see what he meant because he had said it before in the podcast. Like he will actually try and finish something like that in competitions. Like dear God, like, <laughs> like, no, not for me. Um, Travis is cool though, right? Because he is such an intense dude, right? That Olympic intensity is just another level. I can't even imagine. But uh, it just speaks to the role of having fun in training, right? Is that something that you, you really focus on? I mean, obviously, it's business, but at the same time, you try to have fun? Oh, yeah, try and It keeps it interesting. You know, you're in there every day. You can't just fight to the death every day. <laughs> I know some schools do, but it's not for me. Yeah, I try and have a lot of fun. Balance it out. Maybe one hard training session, one training session is a bit more fun, trying to work technique. I also try and have fun if, I, if you're obviously better than someone. You know what I mean? I know there's some guys out there that will be like, I'm better than him. I'm going to submit him as many times as possible in a round. Whereas I'll just try and work parts of the game. I find that the most fun part of it, trying to improve some area. 
What's a, when you're not traveling, and since you've been traveling nonstop, this might not even apply, but what's a normal training week look like? Do you train twice a day? Do you do strength and conditioning? Uh, how do you organize that? Just one super hard session every day, and then one lighter session, maybe some strength and conditioning as well. Maybe I'll lift, <clears throat> I'll do the core lifts, like what squats, deadlifts, bench, shoulder press. I'll do those lifts like maybe once, twice a week. And then depending on how I feel, add in other stuff, the fun stuff, the bicep curls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you consider yourself a pro athlete nowadays? I guess so. I guess yeah. if you get paid to compete, I consider it a pro athlete. Do you feel like a pro athlete? No, right now, I feel unfit right now. <laughs> I feel like the average pro athlete's a lot more fit. That's why I'm drinking the Coke Zero, actually. Cut down on the sugar. But <laughs> that, that's tough, right? Just being on the road and trying to maintain your weight, trying to eat well, trying oh, to get hard. regular training in. How do you manage that? It's hard. Actually, I heard a tip from Keenan. Keenan goes, when I teach seminars, he's like, I'll just get everyone to run the gauntlet on me. And he's like, that's how I build my cardio. I try to do that, but when you teach a seminar, everyone's like, oh, it's my time to get him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Elbowed in the head. Sometimes you, uh, yeah, people go for some crazy stuff. So, it, yeah, it is difficult. It is really difficult to eat healthy. Especially if I'm doing like a road trip or flying around airports, hard to eat healthy. Yeah. I was just in London for Polaris and I was there for four or five days trying to cut weight. And I was like, there's, there's no healthy food in London. What's mm -hmm. going on? <laughs> Fish and chips everywhere. <laughs> trying to get a salad. <laughs> so it made it tough. Speaking about, you know, you're rolling with guys at seminars and stuff. Have you ever had anybody come into one of your seminars and try and try and go after you really like sort of like oh just about every, every single seminar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how do you respond like do you take them out or what do you do you only get one shot at Craig Jones <laughs> in Alabama yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just try and keep it uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a secret right if I am rolling with someone and he catches me at a seminar I don't try and kill him afterwards because then they know they got you you just go back to rolling light. They're You're like, like oh, I, well done. You, showed, you did yeah. what I showed you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Or maybe you just let them have one submission because like, quite often I find that guys want that one and if they get it, they slow it down a bit to a more realistic pace. I don't mean, I mean, we should roll hard, but there's like, uh, there's crazy movements people do and stuff. Yeah, where like, like jumping around or trying yeah. to jump past your guard. Or and something. guys don't know when someone's taking it easy on them, I think. That's like, a good point. Actually, I remember seeing a really good video with Hafa Mendes doing a seminar somewhere, and there's not a lot of rolling footage of Hafa out there that isn't, you know, from the AOJ, the media machine, right? And uh, it was like a clip somebody had done, and some guy, I guess, had gone a little bit too hard or had yeah. done something that Hafa didn't like, and Hafa tooled this guy up. I think they were meant to be switching partners every couple of minutes, and Hafa just beasted him for like 15. Oh, and God. was like just doing his stuff, you know, all over the place, knee right surfing, left, right, and center, and just grinding the guy. And I was like, Yeah, you know, you, you, that's not a smart thing to do, right? I know yeah. so, sometimes when we go to gyms, we get to travel, go to gyms a lot. They're like, Oh, you're from Flow Grappling? You should do an article on me. Let's roll. Yeah. <laughs> they say that. Yeah. 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 Like, okay. <laughs> that's funny. Usually, usually people are pretty nice to us, yeah. but every now and then we, we also encounter. Yeah, we so. get it too, because they'd be like, Now it's my time. I remember my name. Yeah. <laughs> Or they read something they didn't like, and they're like, okay, oh, yeah. come roll. <laughs> that too. But uh, the seminars, um, yeah, I mean, like, do you, uh, do you really show everything in those seminars? You know, yeah, like, for sure. Like you said, like, Dan Hurt won't put anything out on DVD, right? But your open book? Open book, yeah. Because I think usually by the time you're teaching something, like, you teach it, and then six months or 12 months later, like, it's still a useful technique, but the game changes, you know what I mean? Like, the way you do heel hooks changes. Obviously, the jiu-jitsu guys today, I think, are better than the guys 10 years ago. They should. That's the way it should work. Mm -hmm. And they're better because of, obviously, 
part of it's that they're more professional athlete. I think they have better opportunities to be a professional athlete, but the technique improves. So if the technique improves, it keeps changing. So I think you can put out whatever you want. Like I wouldn't tell a guy just before I was about to fight him what I'm doing, but like if it's the average guy in the average city, like I don't think it, hmm. I don't think it's going to help. Keenan uh, this week also kind of um, caused a little bit of a firestorm, right? Because he, he was oh, talking yeah, what about say? What about similar <laughs> things. He was talking about how breaking closed guard from mm. from your knees is kind of the, the wrong way to, to do it. That that technique's been it's old fashioned. Been, yeah, that yeah. that te- technique's been evolved, and people sure. people have like a surefire answer to breaking open the closed guard on your knees, and that that technique needs to be involved. And if you're still doing it, breaking closed guard from your knees, that's wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. Technique obviously changes, and it's good. It's good for the sport. It keeps it interesting. Like if the same techniques from 15 years ago worked, where would the fun be in like innovating? Mm. So I agree with what he says. There's old techniques that don't work. Those high, no, it's not to say that they didn't work at the time. Clearly they did. We're not taking anything away from what those guys said, but like the game changes, and you have to stay studying technique, and that's the way you get better and adapt to the modern level guys. I got a question for you then. Uh, uh, maybe you don't want to give too much away, but I want to know what you're working on right now. What am I working yeah, on? Yeah, right because you know, you said when you've got your leg lock system, it seems like you've pretty much developed that to the point where you're happy to take it out and show it to the world. So uh, I'm sure you're refining it still, but it's more the jujitsu than just leg locks, right? So what else are you working on? Uh, you know what? I don't even know right now. Hey. <laughs> uh, just guard passing, really, trying to like, because since I've taken the gi off, I think like the old guard passes I used to try and do in the gi. I mean, not that I passed the gi too much back in the gi. Pass the guard too much when I used to wear the gi. But yeah, just working out better ways to pass the guard. Like I was training for the Jake Shields match. So I watched a lot of Jake Shields footage about the double body lock pass. So for me to get in his mind of how he does it, I started playing with it myself. And I really found like, so that would be one part of the game, like using the body lock pass to get past people's guards. So you were training the move that he does to better prepare yourself when he tried to do it to you. Exactly, exactly. I was trying to get in his head to think about what he would be looking for to do it against me, but then I ended up just enjoying it and spending the whole training camp trying to do his moves on other people. <laughs> Work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it works. I reckon it works pretty well. I mean, you see the Meow Brothers do it as well, the double body lock pass. They do. They've been getting a lot of that. It's interesting. I was talking to Marilo Santana about this just at Pans recently, like two weeks ago. Because he's got a lot of light guys at his gym, right? You know, from the Meow Brothers, and then he's got a bunch of those other kids from Brazil. They're all like light featherweights, featherweights, lightweights. There aren't two guys much bigger than that. And he was telling me they all Barambolo from bottom, and they pressure pass from top. Yeah. Because the pressure passing kills the Barambolo game, right? So when they're coming up on top, you don't see them standing leg dragging passing like they were five years ago, exactly, three, yeah. even three years ago, you know? Everybody's on their knees, and they're like playing that low, heavy game. And a lot of that came from Murillo, because that was his pressure passing game. And BJJ Scout did that amazing mm. series oh, yeah. of pressure Everyone passing videos. That, hey. <laughs> yeah. And BJJ Scout, that guy took a good look at your game too, huh? He did. Maybe he gave away my secrets. <laughs> did um, you learn anything from that, though? Like seeing that your I own see, game broken down from Yeah, time. what did he say? He said that anytime someone stands up my guard, I grab their other leg. And I was like, wait a minute, I do do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll put that in another instruction. Or <laughs> <laughs> That's really Giving cool. you a seminar, like checklist. Like, all right, little, little notes you can include. That's yeah, funny. I mean, you guys probably get it where someone asks you how you did a move. And they'll be like, I noticed you were doing this. You're like, I didn't even notice I was doing that. Uh, subconsciously, mm-hmm. a lot of time it's just you do it without thinking, right? But Nobody yeah. asked me how I do my moves. What's the secret to the, uh, to the, the, the double body lock pass? Just lifting weights, I think. <laughs> Now it's like it's so hard to pass guard nogi. So hard when it gets sweaty and stuff. You don't have handles to hang on to, and sometimes just an underhook's not enough. So like 
holding the hips like uh, really shuts down the hip escape. So I've been trying to pass a lot on my knees, not from close guard. So don't kill me, Ken. <laughs> I'm trying to pass on the knees a lot more. Because, I think because you think people are trying to get under your legs for the leg locks? You know what? With that, there's a trade-off. I think a lot of people will say pass on your knees to avoid leg locks. But if you pass on your knees, if they do get under you and get a leg lock, their hips are right on your hips. So the leg lock's deep. Mm. Whereas if you see a lot of guys pass on their feet, if they don't have an understanding of the leg lock game, they get leg locked, right? But if you pass on your feet and you control their hips from coming up, they do enter your legs, but their hips are too, high, too low to get a good leg lock. So it's a trade-off. So I think, yeah, passing on the knees makes it hard to get under, but if they do get under, they're deep. Passing on the feet makes it easy to get under, but hard to get high on the hips. You figured out that whole thing about passing on the knees as well, like great Z-guard thing that you do, right? Yeah, yeah, I try and lure people to pass on the knees. Trick him, and then play guard on the other side. <laughs> I think we saw that at, that at EBI in December, right? <coughs> Your first two submissions were in less than 30 seconds, both from a knee passing position, I believe. Yeah. So clearly it worked quite well. <laughs> yeah, it does. And you were telling me earlier, man, t that, that was sounding like a crazy week. You just tell me about what happened in that week, that oh, last that EBI. Week. I feel bad saying it because it sounds like I'm making excuses, but I was, I got off the plane to LA the week of EBI and I went to train at Gracie Baja and I was not feeling right and like uh, and this isn't why those guys all smashed me that that training session I could barely keep it together and then Northridge is that where you were? Northridge yeah okay. so Homolo beat me up his purple belt guy beat me up and I was like oh, I gotta take a time out here <laughs> <laughs> so I was like feeling not confident for the event and then over the week I was getting like a fever and stuff just feeling generally horrible so I was talking to him I was like maybe I'll have to pull out I was and Eddie Eddie or Megan was like, I just come, come to Austin, we'll see how you feel. And when I got to Austin, I felt super bad about having to pull out. So I was like, I'll just do it. Because I, I was like, in my head, I'm, like, I'm probably the most expensive athlete to bring out because I'm from Australia. I was like, I better, I better compete. <clears throat> and then it yeah, worked out well. But like I was saying, I'm back in Austin now. But last time I didn't see any of Austin because I was just in the hotel room sick. I was like, I was in bed ordering Uber Eats until the event started. <laughs> then I competed, then I went back to bed. <laughs> so it's straight from your bed, your, your deathbed, yeah. to, to EBI, tap a bunch of guys out, get into the final against Gordon, have a war, almost break his arm, go back to bed. Yeah, back to bed after. No, no time to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. It sounds like a wild ride. But I, I, speaking about the Greasy Baja Northridge guys, um, not the first time you've been there, right? You visited a few years back? Yeah. No, you know what? I visited before the first EBI I did. It's an EBI thing. Yeah, if right. I'm doing EBI, I have to go to Northridge before. <laughs> I remember, I can't remember if it, was, if it was Gabrielle or if it was Edwin, but it was one of those guys that they, uh, that they said that they saw a huge difference in you from the first time you visited to the next time. Yeah. Um, and they just said that it was incredible how much better you'd gotten in that period. Well, I was going oh, from well. terrible to okay. Still a jump, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heading in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> We've got about 15 minutes left and uh, time to just move on to a slightly different topic now. Um, one of the big topics in the jiu-jitsu world at the moment is about guys going to MMA. Uh, Gary Tonon's got his first fight this weekend. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to that one. Dylan Dandis finally got an opponent. He's going to make his long, long-awaited MMA debut. We've been waiting like a year for that, right, since he signed the Bellator contract. And there's a bunch of other guys out there who are doing really well. So, um, all right, on, before we start talking about those guys, Craig, would you ever do MMA? Yeah, people ask me this all the time, and I always give the same answer. Um, I want a deal with Risen, 
whoever Gabby Garcia gets the fight, I want that level of deal. You, know? <laughs> you want Gabby Garcia? <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. I want her opponent. It. You want the 50-year-old. I want the big money fights in Japan against older people. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. my plan for MMA. No, I, I didn't think I was. Until I accomplish my goals in grappling, I wouldn't want to take any time away. Because I would think if I haven't reached my goals there, any time spent doing another sport is going to be detrimental to my grappling. No, good point. Good point. What about Gary doing MMA this weekend? That's obviously where some That's really awesome, excited yeah. for. But what, what do you think about that? I think he's going to kill it. I don't know. Something about, I look at that guy and I'm like, he could probably take a hit. You know what I mean? Mm. I look at some grappling guys and I think it's probably not for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think he's one that will make a good transition. Tough Jersey guys, right? Very tough. they all can take punches to the face probably. Yeah, they're used to it. They grow up to it. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And Dylan's got his debut soon as well, right? Man, that's another one. He signed his contract in April of last year, March or April of last year at Bellator. And he's That's finally cool. competing now in MMA for the first time. I'm, I'm, I love it. We're all, I'm, we're all very I'm curious as well. Yeah. yeah, very yeah. curious, but I'm honestly excited as well. I think this is something we've all been waiting to see. Huh? I think I think Bellator especially learned their lesson with Aaron Pico a little bit, mm. um, and giving him too high of a caliber op opponent right off the bat. Aaron right? Pico being the Olympic wrestler, right? Uh, yeah, or the uh, the world level uh, world. wrestler, re level wrestler. Um, but uh, yeah, so he obviously lost his first match, and so I think they're giving um, Dylan a, a comparable opponent there. So what's the guy like two and four or something? Two and four. He's on a three-fight losing streak, uh, and it got submitted in like his last two two fights, I think. That's so. a gift, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a so, warm up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a warm up. Hey, Dylan's untested. He's he's zero and zero, right? We don't. We've never even seen him throw hands. Like we know that he's a good grappler, but who knows what his striking game is like? I am interested to see if he's going to come out and he's do the. The common yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Touch button. A little bit of touch button. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, no, he's training in Ireland with with Connor and those guys. So uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if he wasn't prepared for this. You know. And and then he's fighting on the same card. That Chicago card also has um, Rafael Lovato Jr., who obviously we're huge, huge fans of here. Versus John Salter, another guy we're big fans ADCC of. ADCC veteran. Qualified for ADCC and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, he, he beat DJ and he beat uh, Josh Inga. Yeah, uh, okay. West Coast Trials. Pretty that's crazy no joke, performance. Man. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah, so those two guys, who I think whoever wins, John Salter, uh, Lovato Jr., I think it sets him straight up for a 185-pound title shot. And, like, that's, that's incredible. That's awesome. I'd love to see either of those guys fight for the Bellator title. Kind of the difference that I see, though, in, like, guys like uh, Lovato and Salter is um, even Lovato's known as, like, a jiu-jitsu guy. He's not. He's, a, he's, he's been a lifelong mixed martial artist, right? Because yeah. his dad was, like, a, a JKD guy before he found jiu-jitsu and... You know, Lovato's been training striking since a very, very early age. So it's something he's been doing his whole life. I think Salter was, he was an MMA guy who did well in grappling as I well. Think he's right? a wrestler. I want to say he wrestled for Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it was high level, but a guy who could take his grappling game from MMA and do well in ADCC, I think it favors those kind of guys. The guys like Gary and Dylan, for me, they're pretty much like about as um, pure jujitsu guys as, as you could see move into MMA. Would you agree? For sure, it's a, it'll be a wild card seeing how those guys go. I think they'll both get it. Like you said, they're going to get some good opponents, get a lot of time to build up. But it'll be tougher for them to make the transition straight away to high-level guys. Mm. Whereas guys with a really high-level wrestling background, I think. Well, I just love the way uh, like a lot of these new jiu-jitsu guys have been going in. Guys like Ryan Hall, too, um, in the UFC. And Lovato. Like, I feel like, because um, Lovato fought a wrestler, he fought Chris Honeycutt in his last fight, who's an NCAA All-American. And... Um, Ryan Hall fought uh, Gray Maynard, who's an NCAA wrestler as well, and like I love seeing because wrestlers now are like afraid 
to pressure jujitsu guys up against the cage so much. I feel like that's what, how they were winning before, mm -hmm. but now, like, just with that's the, the, leg, the leg locks mm -hmm. and stuff like that, um, and Ryan Hall is so good at them, like, guys are afraid to pressure guys up against the cage because then they can, they can just go right underneath and then they don't really have a, a place to run away from the heel hooks and stuff. That but whole fight was incredible. He was basically sparring, spamming Imanari rolls. In I love match, it. And right? like spinning kicks. It. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. I, I watch that, that match all the time because it's like, for a jiu-jitsu guy, it's like, yes. And he came <laughs> out of it. He barely took a, like a single hit to the face, right? And Greg Maynard was super frustrated by it, but hey, deal with it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like It was just like a, a kind of like a new fold to the game. And I felt like Lovato implemented it a, a little bit of it in his last fight, too. So it's, it's just super fun to see how the jiu-jitsu guys are contributing to the evolution of MMA. We've talked a lot about McKenzie as well. McKenzie doing, obviously, making that transition over. We haven't really seen that much jiu-jitsu from her in some of her fights, though, right? She's been working a lot more striking and stuff. She had a few submission wins. But two guys who are also uh, competing a lot in MMA lately, there's one guy who's three fights in, that is Adolfo Fiera. Mm. And he, he actually signed his MMA contract immediately, almost upon walking off the mat from ADCC 2015 when he won there, the 99 kilo division. I remember there was a Japanese guy kind of floating around. I don't know if you remember the guy, but he was kind of floating around at ADCC in Sao Paulo. And um, he signed that day. He signed um, Adolfo. I think he signed Gabby Garcia around about the same time as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was interesting. It was um, he's basically there to scout out the the talent from ADCC. So it's kind of interesting that ADCC is like a springboard for MMA, though, right? Yeah, you got guys like Gunnar Nelson fought on ADCC as well. They always, they've had a long history of, of um, bringing those MMA guys in there. Yeah, and making having a springboard for competition like that. I'd argue you'd probably see more guys who are successful in ADCC move into MMA than guys who are successful in other nogi tournaments or even even jujitsu tournaments mm -hmm. right they've got to wrestle at some level yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. exactly like galvao went on to do a lot of mma right um who else like shanji shanji had a bunch Verdum. of mma fights in japan yeah Verdum. of course Finny, mark, my mark, guys. Finny, mark yeah. kerr was a was an mma fighter a yeah. little bit so a big yeah long long history of that ari farius as well he's out there competing in uh, mma as well but i'll be honest man like straight up Makes me sad. It makes me <laughs> sad. I don't. Want, I'm glad sad. you said you like. Ah, I'm not too fussed about MMA because man, I don't want those guys to go away. I want them to stay in jujitsu. I want to see them competing. I would love to see Hidolfo come back in and, and tear some guys up at ADCC. Oh yeah, that, that would be great, amazing. right? Yeah, it's sad to see him go. I think initially they were leaving to chase money, right? Like they wanted mm. the last. They maybe accomplished their goals last part of the career. Wanted to try and have a shot at making some huge money. Mm. But grappling, the money's getting a little better. Obviously, nowhere near MMA. But I think... At like, the upper levels. Yeah, maybe. at the upper levels. But I think a lot of the jiu-jitsu guys, you're probably doing a lot better off than the majority of MMA fighters are. That's what I think. Yeah. And I'm not taking any brain trauma, you know what I mean? Like, what cost do you... <laughs> yeah. At what cost is that to you? You know what I mean? I think the average level MMA fighter for a long-term career, unless you make it to that upper level, is not going to have a great income for the rest of their life. You see the guys that have to go to broadcasting and stuff. Whereas like a, and that's oh. if they're lucky, man. If they're broadcasting, exactly. yeah. everybody, everybody wants that. They haven't taken yeah. enough hits. <laughs> oh wait, Bisping does it. Bisping's in. <laughs> <laughs> man, we've uh, we got about just over five minutes left. Um, I'd love to just talk about this more, but we got a bunch of reader questions that we should probably worried, go through. I'm Don't worry, please. nothing, nothing too bad. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, there's a good question here from Alexander Spiliotis. Um, at which point in your training did you realize you had the skill and the confidence to stay at the top of the game? 
or to get to the top of the game, I guess that would be. That's a tough one. I think it's just based on you enter a tournament, maybe you do better than you expected. You know what I mean? Everyone has their doubts. Everyone pretends to be confident, but you still have your doubts. So every time you beat a higher level opponent, or at least hang for a while with a higher level opponent, maybe even you got submitted three minutes in, but you were doing well for three minutes. I think at that point you start to be like, oh, maybe I do belong. And then that confidence gives you the boost to hit the next level. So that every time you do well against a high-level guy, you probably, if you take it the right way, do better next time you face those guys. You get over that mental obstacle. Nice. Favorite jujitsu memory? I guess the Leandro Lowe one. <laughs> I hate to bring it up. <laughs> Man, I, I can't I, argue against that. I like, yeah. literally never met you before that ADCC, <laughs> and you submitted Leandro, and I like ran up to you and like and like hugged you, and I was like, oh shit, Craig Jones has never met me before. <laughs> but, I was, but I was just like so pumped. I was like, oh my god, that was so crazy. <laughs> what did you say to me? You were like, why didn't you tell me you were a badass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We also couldn't stop saying Craig fucking Jones like the, re the rest <laughs> of the weekend. It was like, yeah. that's all, all we said. Craig fucking Jones, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a wild one. <laughs> um, interesting question here from uh, Chadia. Would you rather take a match with either Gary Tonin or Dylan Dennis? Oh, tough one. Well, sadly, it won't be. Two MMA fighters now, right? Mm. I don't know. I guess Dylan Dennis is closer to weight. He has more Instagram followers. That's <laughs> <laughs> all that matters. Get the rub. <laughs> yeah. Um, who do you think is the toughest opponent you're going to face in the Kazai bracket coming up? You got DJ Jackson, Matthias Denise, Richie Martinez, Boogeyman, Dante Leon, uh, Nick Calvanese, Mike Perez, and Felipe Mota. Who stands out from that? I guess DJ Jackson probably stands out, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think overall he's the best guy in the tournament. I just think stylistically. For me, probably the toughest matchup, given that he's, as he put up today, 8-0 against the Danaher Death Squad. And like people say, we have a, quite a similar style. Very cool, very cool. Um, da, 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 your thoughts? No, we did that one. Uh, who influenced you the most in jiu-jitsu? Do you have like an idol or a, a role model, somebody you look up to? I guess my coach. I mean, everyone says that, but Lucky took me from, <clears throat> I was training in Adelaide at a at a smaller team, like it's strugg like struggling to get good training partners in Adelaide. So like when I did a training camp with Lucky for, what was it, Nogi Worlds? He was like, do you just want to stay and teach here? So I guess that was the biggest change in my life before Leandro Lowe, going from working and studying and what balancing training. What was I, just a li at a liquor store. A liquor what did store. I do? I've done Burger King, I've worked at a casino and a liquor store. The liquor store hours were best for training. So I was studying liquor store and training and then Giles helped me move to just full-time training. Would you recommend me a good liquor? <laughs> a liquor, Australian one? Oh, let me think. Obviously, not Foster's, like we were talking about before. Yeah. No, yeah, real <laughs> no real real drinks, real Foster's. Um, Anything that comes in boxes, maybe. I was, <laughs> just, in, I was just in Bris <laughs> Brisbane, and actually, you're representing a local Brisbane team there, so I'll say Bundaberg, Bundaberg Rum. Hmm. Oh, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Hopefully, I get on the Gold Coast to try it out. <laughs> For so. sure. How about a uh, favorite ADCC match that you weren't involved in? Oh, man, there's too many. I guess the one stands out, Cron Gracie, Gary Tonin. Mm, that was the wild. one. I was like, wow. That, that was, was probably his comebacks. Right? That was probably Gary Tonin's moment that changed everything for him mentally to yeah. be like, I almost beat Cron Gracie, you know what I mean? And you saw the confidence level go skyrocket after that. So, yeah, a lot of it's mental, you know what I mean? I think the skill level between a lot of guys isn't as great as you think. It's, it's the confidence. And that skyrocketed Gary Tonin. Definitely. We, uh, we always run through a series of rapid-fire questions in uh, different interviews that we do as well. I'll just throw a couple at you. What's your favorite place that you visited through Jiu-Jitsu? Favorite place? Because you've been the, around. The most surprising was Kazakhstan. Hmm. Huh. 
Kazakhstan. Somebody was telling. Oh, yeah, Viking Long was telling us that, <laughs> that Kazakhstan is, is wild. awesome. It's wild, yeah, because the guys that promoted it were just um, some bowlers over there, and it was, yeah, crazy. I went to Kazakhstan, having no idea what to expect. Everyone expects Borat, but as they, told, <laughs> as they told me, that was filmed in Romania. Yeah, it's true. So Kazakhstan's a bit like a, sort of like a European city, it's just, just a really cool place. Okay. Mm. The guys there, when they hosted the trials, they built like a $3 million arena for the ADCC trials. They are ballers. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> those, yeah, so I won ADCC trials, and they took us out partying afterwards, right? And I was telling them, I was like, I have to, I have to get back on a flight at 4 a.m. to India. And he's like, what, what airline are you with? And then he just calls up, and he's like, you're flat out in two days now. <laughs> I kind of wanted to leave, but... <laughs> no, no, you stayed. And then another crazy story, they flew me out there for a tournament. Every year they do um, the Arlen Grip Invitation, which is some cool end of year, which is the one Viking and DJ were at. And <clears throat> I was there, I competed, and then they were like, do you want to come to my birthday party? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to come. He's like, we'll just delay your flight. I was like, all right, I think of it somewhere in Kazakhstan. And then they picked me up. They, he asked my passport, and he picked me up. We flew on a private plane to Mauritius, and he rented out a resort for three days. What? What's Mauritius? What? <laughs> Mauritius? Mauritius, in the Mauritius. Indian Ocean. Near Africa, yeah. Oh, wow. Holy crap. So his <laughs> birthday party, were you expecting to be? It's like an like eight-hour flight away. Eight-hour flight. flew like 80, 90 people there. Oh, man. And it was just me and another American guy, Adam Fox, and I was like, we do not belong here. <laughs> <laughs> Strap oh, in. Now you guys want to go to Kazakhstan? <laughs> I know. All right. We're going to stream the Kazakhstan those tri trials are on the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those guys are super, super cool, though, yeah. Awesome. Good, high-level guys, too. Yeah, they got some decent grapplers out of there. I remember we've seen a few of a them qualify. Pro, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we've seen a bunch qualify for ADCC World Pro. We see a lot. Probably see a lot there again this year. Because remember, there's those guys. You you were there 2016, and there was like a hundred of them all in those blue and yellow oh, tracksuits. Yeah, yeah, they all yeah. wear matching teams tracksuits. They're really That's cool. yeah, yeah, really really cool. I think uh, those guys put a lot of money into the sport there. They got one really cool. good guy. He's going to kill me for forgetting his name. He fought, so he fought Lachlan Giles, ADCC trials in Kazakhstan, didn't tap to an inside heel hook, let it go until he started screaming, and it was like twisted completely Ew. the wrong way. And Giles is like a, a physio, and he's like, he's not going to compete for a long time. Six months later, that guy wins the trials. It's like, so he's got really Leandro low knees, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see Hummel and Bahal at the Worlds last year? Did you oh, see the Toho? Yeah, the oh, Toho. Yeah. yeah, that was a brutal one. Some guys don't tap. The only thing I want to tap to is an ADCC final. I'm up. Everything else, I'm like, no, you got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We saw Tommy Langacker and Dante Leon. Uh, yeah, the arm. You saw that? Was that broken? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it broken. It was. It was definitely way past the point that should have gone. Dante said that he heard it ripping and popping and stuff. And I think Tommy, Tommy's going to be out for a little while from Oh, yeah. Sure. I need to ask Dante about finishing armbars. I need some help for Gordon. Rather than in, are you? All right. Man, well, I mean, that has been an amazing hour. Craig, I want to say thanks so much for coming in, man. This has uh, been a blast, right? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, first podcast guest, and uh, it turns out to be none other than Craig Jones. <laughs> and wow, what an hour. I wish we could just carry on. But Are there any uh, spots available for your seminar tonight, or is that all filled in? I think it might be sold out, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, I'd say plug it, but I don't want to have a bunch of people flooding up. But wait, where are you going in. next? Uh, Houston, Darkside. I'll be there. That's a good one. Saturday. Sometime. I should know the time. <laughs> <You're Houston. jet> <laughs> for, for him, it's like still Tuesday. Yeah, I have no idea where or when it is. <laughs> and you got where else? You saying you're going to Nebraska? Oh yeah, I'll be in Nebraska, Detroit, New York, Mississippi, 
Virginia. And then I'm here for two weeks in May, so I'll try and do a couple more seminars before I go back. And well, you maybe. can find all the information on your Instagram if people want to find your seminars. Uh, <laughs> you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should post them. I should post them. I will pump anyone that don't sell out. I'll, I'll pump them up there to try and fill the numbers and stuff. Cool. Awesome. Go and follow at Craig Jones BJJ. Guys, it's been real. It's another one. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>